Hang on. What? I got something to send you. It's from the Unite team. Pokemon Unite. Okay. They're releasing some new Holloware. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I bet you that costs $40. I don't even care. I'm sure it doesn't look nearly as good in game as this art does. <laughs> that's, that's good really, art. His eyes like, Pock! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're tuned into the GoCast podcast, your one-stop shop for updates, news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. Thank you for listening. Break out the varnish, Hisuian Voltorb is here. The Lunar New Year event this year is lit, Leo. Goodbye Onyx in Research Breakthroughs and Hello Shiny Esper. Mexico and Taiwan are the places to be for the Go Tour after party. And more on this episode of GoCast. Hello and welcome to the GoCast podcast, episode 177. It is February 3rd, a Thursday evening, because our Tuesday evening was, well, a chock full of stuff. And so. So it was last night to a degree, uh, but I'm your host, Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle. Hiya. Hey, Kyle. How's it going? I'm okay. Thanks again for being flexible with recording times this week. <laughs> it's not like I had anything else going on this time around. That's true. Kyle has some some really outlandish circumstances right now, and so he's got some extra free time for a few days. It's... <laughs> It came at the right time because I ran out of time the past few days. We're having opposite <laughs> problems. That's for sure. Uh, but Kyle, any, how have you been? Did you actually get to play since we last recorded at all? Uh, only a little bit because of extenuating circumstances. And also the weather's now not been nice the last like two days. That's true. Um, and How much snow did you guys get? Because for those of you who aren't terribly familiar with the Midwest. We're in the Chicagoland area. Now, that is a very big area. <laughs> <laughs> and our lake loves, loves to mess with all sorts of weather in big, big ways, such that if you were downtown, you probably got, I think I saw upwards of like, was it 13 inches or something like that? What? Uh, no, then, I actually haven't been paying attention because. Yeah. Yeah. And then out by us was uh, about one or two. And I'm only, gosh, I don't know. I'm less than 100 miles from the city. Like, I'm not too far, too terribly far. But it was nutty. Very yeah. crazy to see. We got like three or four inches. Okay. So you got a little bit more. That actually kind of makes sense because I believe you're uh, you're not much closer to the lake than I am, despite being closer to the city all the same. Yeah. It's like, it's like more or less directly south. So Yeah. There's a little bit of uh, Chicago geography for you. But before we get started in any meaningful way here, shout out to two patrons of ours, a brand new one, Tangela Tonks. Thank you so much for your patronage. And Kyle and I both love your name. And JT increased their pledge. Thank you very much for your increased confidence on in what we do here. We appreciate you very much. Okay, Kyle, we set some goals last week, last week and two days ago, to, to be exact. Are you ready mm-hmm. to uh, pay the piper? No. Me neither. I don't even know what to pay him in. What does he accept? Does he accept credit? Let's see. So you wanted to hatch 40 eggs. You manage that? 
I did do that. Yes. Oh, nice. Okay. 200,000 Stardust. I did do that. Yes. Nice. Okay. Uh, 500,000 experience. I did not do that, but only because I failed in friendships and those are all happening tomorrow. <laughs> gotcha. Fight Giovanni. Yeah, I did that. I did that. The you next did. Day. It worked. Okay, great. Yeah. I, I am proud to say I no longer have a Giovanni or a Go Rocket research in my stack of special research. What Pokemon did he give you? Lugia? Shadow Lugia? Yeah, hang on. Let me. See. Yeah, Shadow Lugia. That's, wow, that's what I did, got. How did it turn out IV wise? Oh, I didn't actually even look. Let's see. Oh my gosh, Kyle, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, not good. Uh, okay. 14, 7, 15. Ooh, that's uh, okay. That's all right. Uh, well, so that's three out of four for you. You did much better than you were probably anticipating. Yeah. I, Where'd you go? I forgot about the Stardust one. <laughs> Just uh-huh. happened. Uh, for me, it was 50 eggs. I did that. One million experience. I did that as well. Complete the New Year event, the Lunar New Year event. I finished that uh, research with no problem. So that is a three out of three for me. Technically, right. didn't tie, but we completed the same number of things. So go team. <laughs> go team. All right, Mr. Kyle, let's let's just get started here and hop into the news. Yo, what's up? It's the news. We've got a few pieces of news this week. Uh, none are, you know, too monumental in any way, but a couple of them are kind of exciting. So let's just dive in. The first one is some more information about the Pokemon uh, Go Johto Tour live locations. They had previously mentioned that they would have, uh, you know, kind of like the day after live events held in three particular cities. One of them was in Monterey, Mexico. The next one was in Kaohsiung. Uh, Kaohsiung. I'm sorry if I'm getting this Not incorrect. <laughs> it's in Taiwan, right? Uh, at the Taiwan Lantern Festival, if that helps anybody else figure out what the, the city I was trying to pronounce correctly. And Abu Dhabi as well. And we talked about this before when they first announced it, that the Abu Dhabi choice had a little bit of pushback on it based on some culture related concerns and that location since that event has been canceled and it has a, an accompanying blog post. So if you'd like to hear more about that and the nuance there, we, I would encourage you. I think we both encourage you to go read it yourself. We're not going to read it here, but we do have more details about the other two locations because they are green light. They are good to go. So trainers after the worldwide Pokemon go toward Johto event ends on February 26th. We look forward to welcoming trainers to Pokemon Go Tour Live, happening in multiple cities across the globe. These in-person events will be taking place on February 27th at the following locations. First one is Monterey, Mexico, at Park Fundadora. And the second one is, like I said before, as I attempted to say, Kaohsiung, Taiwan, at the Taiwan Lantern Festival. Trainers attending any of these events will receive event-exclusive special research, join forces with other trainers to explore the habitats and enjoy all this research has to offer trainers who purchase a ticket to Pokemon go tour live and attend in person can look forward to an encounter with Mewtwo item rewards and so much more. So much more. My goodness. (laughs) That's a big promise there. We can't wait to explore these incredible places with you. Don't forget to document your journey by taking photos with your buddy and sharing them using hashtag Pokemon go tour. Who knows? A sleepy Snorlax may even join your photo shoot. So I guess Snorlax is photobombing. That shiny is out. Use that opportunity to, to check uh, those spawns. It's awesome. 
It seems that shiny Pokemon will also be appearing more frequently at Pokemon Go Tour live locations, so be on the lookout. Ditto will also be appearing in the wild during the event. If you're lucky, you might even encounter a shiny one. That shiny was released a while ago, but there has not been a real concerted, well, an opportunity to make a concerted effort to hunt for it. So this is kind of exciting, too. You must be in the above-mentioned locations in order to experience ticketed gameplay, and only ticket holders will have access to the event's special research and other event-exclusive experiences. But whether they have a ticket or not, trainers in Monterey and Kaosung will be able to participate in raids from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. local time against the following legendary Pokemon originally found in the Kanto region. That includes the three birds, Articuno, Zapdos, Moltres. It's weird. I just put the inflection on the number that it's referencing. Articuno, <laughs> Zapdos, and Moltres. It's weird, right? You know, it's because most people don't realize the number is even there. I guess. I don't- <laughs> It's kind of a subconscious thing. Anyway, we're going to roll with it. Trainers in those cities can also encounter the following Pokemon in raids. Typically, these Pokemon can only be encountered in very specific parts of the world. They include the regionals, Farfetch'd, Kangaskhan, Mr. Mime, and Tauros. Friendly reminder that those can be shiny as well. So that's the whole live location details and things like that. If you want to find out more, we will have the article, blog post, whatever you'd like to call it linked in our show notes so please follow that if you'd like to double check on things or i guess just hit rewind (laughs) i kind of read the whole thing here kyle thoughts feelings about this i think we talked about a little bit they teased some of the features and we were like wow that sounds like a mini go fest to me yeah i mean the event sounds fun i'm really neutral on it overall because i'm so done with kanto just in general ditto spawning in the wild is probably the most interesting part of the whole thing for me I would agree. And I think, you know, if you are a newer player, your opportunity to grind out some raids on the legendary birds when all three of them are available in these regionals is a good way for those trainers to really round out their Pokedex. So I suppose that's the biggest Mm -hmm. value there. Uh, Next up is something that you should be very, very aware of by now. I'm hoping (laughs) Hisui and Voltorb are appearing. What? Yeah. When this first went live for like the next like eight hours, it was all Hisui and Voltorb and regular Voltorb all day <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was great hisui and voltorb originally discovered in the hisui region of the pokemon legends Arceus game on nintendo switch which kyle and i both adore are now appearing in the world of pokemon go help professor willow learn more about them and how they differ from the voltorb of the kanto region so first up the season of heritage story continues team go rockets invasion was all a distraction while professor willow and the team leaders were busy dealing with the takeover Team Go Rockets swooped in with their own Electro-type Pokemon to force open the mysterious door. Those fiends. The team leaders returned to find the door open, and whatever was inside was already long gone. All that remained was a crumpled up piece of paper and a mysterious component indicating that this was all Team Go Rockets doing. <laughs> it's like a calling card or something. Yep. <laughs> like a little <laughs> fancy table stand at a dinner. <laughs> Uh, but Professor Willow noticed something off to the side of the chamber. Could it be a Pokeball? Special research. Upon closer inspection, what seemed to be a strange Pokeball was, in fact, a Hisuian Voltorb. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Hisuian Voltorb bears a striking resemblance to old-fashioned Pokeballs developed long ago in the Hisui region. But just what kind of Pokemon are they? What sort of place was the Hisui region, the land we now know as Sinnoh? 
And are these bygone Pokemon appearing because of Team Go Rocket? Or is there some mythical time travel at play? Mythical time and travel are all capitalized. So I feel like it might be. (laughs) Join Professor Willow and delve into these brand new mysteries. So it's it's cool. Sui and Voltorb is out. What is not cool is that we can't evolve them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Hisuian Electrode is currently turned off. Also, Hisuian Electrode is very disappointing, so it's okay that it's not here. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You think so? Yes. Oh, I I disagree. Do you like Hisuian Voltorb? I do like Hisuian Voltorb, Hmm. but I think that Hisuian Electrode was a perfect opportunity for the branching evolution, and instead of it being an Electrode, it was something else. Sort of like they did with uh, Perserker for mm-hmm. Meowth. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it writes itself. It's a container full of seeds. How did you not just want the seeds to sprout into something? Yeah, we'll that's true. We'll talk about that more for Pokalore, I think, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm interested to talk more about it because it is new, brand new Pokemon to me. But yeah, we'll talk about it. It does have its own place. This was a cool event. It was neat to see all these new Pokemon pop up. It was a surprise for just about everybody. Good, good on them. Great for making the sort of like change in between for the special research steps uh, and the season of heritage stuff to have some character. But it is also kind of understated and overstated simultaneously because it does not really have a time limit. Hisuian Voltorb is just now here and we had a bunch to begin with, which kind of leads us into the current event right now, which we didn't have details on before, but we do now, right? This Lunar New Year event, which is happening well from February 1st, which was a couple of days ago and ending on Monday, February 7th at 8 p.m. local time. Shiny Litleo leads the pack. It's time to celebrate Lunar New Year. Running at the front of the pack during the event is Litleo. If you're lucky, or me, you just might run into a shiny Litleo for the first time in Pokemon Go. I caught one after putting next to zero effort into doing so and sent it to Kyle. It was literally like the day it it launched. It was like, what time was that? It was probably like two o'clock. Yeah, it was it was right right away. I'm very lucky. This is not representative of my usual experience or anybody's experience, but I did not waste the opportunity to rub it in Kyle's face. (laughs) So for those of you that were worried about that, it did happen. Okay. Event bonuses include increased chance of lucky Pokemon in trades, increased chance to become lucky friends, double stardust from opening gifts, and one extra special trade per day. There's also some wild encounters, and they include Paris, Meowth, Growlithe, Voltorb, Suing Voltorb, Magikarp, Torchic, Litleo, Electabuzz, Gyarados, and Combusken. In raids, we're getting a little shake-up. In Tier 1, you'll see Magikarp, Shinx, Dower, Maka, which fits our theme this week for the next section as well. Litleo and Esper. Tier 3 includes Charizard, Flareon, Shuckle, Delcaddy, Absol, and Drudagon. Tier 5 is Regirock, Regirock, Rock, Rock. Uh, Mega is Mega Houndoom, or if you listen to Super Effective, Mega Houndoom! We love Mega Houndoom. Eggs. This is, for me, the best part of this event. Besides all the luckies, because I'm at that step for level 48. But uh, Eggs, the only shake of is to the 7-kilometer egg pool, which is good. And it includes Shuckle, Slugma, Darumaka, Scraggy, and Litleo. Outside of Litleo, this might be one of the best pools I've seen in a long time, but I will ask Kyle for his opinion in just a moment because we're almost done. 
Field research task encounters include Alola Meowth, Galarian Meowth, Magikarp, Darmakalitlio, and Esper. By the way, Shiny Esper was released this month. Just reminding everybody. And timed research. Two timed research challenges focused around catching and friendship will be available. Complete the timed research to earn Litlio and Esper. Essentially shiny checks at that point in time for those two. All right, Kyle, let's back it up. Thoughts? Seven kilometer egg pool in particular or anything else you might have a strong opinion about? I think Shackle is worse than Litlio in the seven kilometer egg pool. Yeah, but not if you're shiny hunting. Yeah, but I'd probably rather have more chances at the new shiny than shuckle that's been around forever well it's been like almost three years now but yeah other than that it's, it's okay darumaka is is nice but it's uh only in raids question mark i believe it's also in the seven kilometer egg pool yeah i mean of course but we don't field it's, research task encounters as well yeah okay fair enough would like to see it in the wild there's no Okay, so here's here's the actual winner. Both Paris and Meowth are increased Stardust. So if you weren't catching those, you should be catching those. And that that's the takeaway I have from this event. That is a worthy highlight. I would agree with you. I always forget that Paris is worth more. Mm-hmm. Always, because I don't really catch Paris in uh, Go or in Legends RCS. Just don't. I just don't deal with them. Mm-mm. But yeah, that's the news, folks. Hope that you're having a good luck with the Lunar New Year. I know I am, and I'm trying to send my residual luck. Whatever remaining time I might have has now been forwarded to the honorable listener right now. And uh, boy, that was a <laughs> that was an American politics joke. Oi, oi, oi. Um, that's pretty much it then for news, which means that we're going to head right into Gear Up. So this week on Gear Up, we're going to do what's the big deal with Darmanitan? Just regular Darmanitan, no Galarian this time around. We were talking about it as a potential standout spawn with the Lunar New Year event, and it's also been trotted out for a whole bunch of other events as a limited feature spawn in a similar vein to how Dratini used to be, how Lavatar still is. But what's the big deal? Well, Darmanitan is a mono fire type, and that's it. It's just it's just fire. There's not, nothing special, except in the main series game, it has a special ability called Zen Mode. Rest in peace, Zen Mode. We'll never, ever see that in Go, apparently. But for those who are curious, in the main series game, when Darmanitan gets below 50% HP, it takes a new form. Completely different look. It looks ridiculous. And it changes typing. It becomes psychic. Uh, becomes fire psychic and it gains like a hundred more total stat points and switches from a physical attacker to a special attacker. But that doesn't translate to go anyways. That's never going to happen. The stats for it are in the game and we will probably just never see it. But what about the one that we do have? Its best moveset is fire fang and overheat standard double fire moves. But how does it compare to other fire type attackers in PVE? It doesn't hold a candle to Reshiram. Reshiram is way above it. Has 18 DPS and 623.7 TDO for Reshiram. Compared to Darmanitan's 17.7 DPS. It's pretty good. 393.9 TDO. Not so good. Very, very squishy. 
all of that said, it's still number two. It's the second best fire type attacker in the game, assuming neutral factors for everything else, of course. Very, very closely behind is Entei and Moltres. And it's it's close enough that it's not even worth listing the differences. And then right behind Entei and Moltres is Chandelure, who is just far enough behind that it's still worth using. But we're not going to go into any more numbers because I'm sure nobody wants me to list another nine sets of numbers because it's not relevant. Oh, speak for yourself. <laughs> no, I'm speaking for the other people here. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Especially those that are driving right now. I'm sure they they hear numbers and their eyes gloss over and we don't want to cause any accidents here. Right, right. But the point of the matter is Darmadtan, very good. Now, PvP, not not so good. Not not so good at all, actually. It's it's pretty awful. It has some potential use in Love Cup that's coming up if you really want to. But in any sort of open format, it's it's just terrible. There are so many other fire types you can use that are much better. So in conclusion with Darmanitan, it occupies a very similar spot to Rampardos, who we hear about a lot. It's an obtainable option for most players, but it is an uncommon option. So it keeps getting featured in events as something to hunt for. And it's very competitive in its typing. It's one of the best options, even when it competes with legendary Pokemon. And that says a lot because there's only a handful of those in the game. Rampardos is one of them. Darmanitan, Mamoswine. Those are probably the standout ones. Tyranitar doesn't really compete anymore in comparison, even though it's still very popular. Electivire? Yeah, Electivire, Magnazone, they're both very similar. I guess, like, Dragonite is is pretty competitive for Dragon, but that's a, that's a very crowded field. So Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. Oh, I know. Kingler. Kingler in the water. Tank. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> a good one. That is a very good one. Oh, Crabhammer. Oh, Crabhammer. Darmanitan, they're worth building if you don't have a team of Reshiram or Entei and Moltres just chilling out. Or you feel like changing it up a little bit. Yeah. some pe- I know some people like to have six unique Pokemon powered up for each of their types. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you can do to keep the game fresh without having to build a team of six of the exact same. Exactly. So what do you think, Chris? Do you think we'll ever see Zen mode? Do you, do you, we got, oh, we got form change in the game. Yeah, that's kind of a, a tough question at this point in time because, yeah, they did institute form changes, but Zen mode is supposed to be something that's related to combat. It's like if we saw more Pico in the game as well, switching between Hangry and normal version of her, whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Like Zen mode was also triggered in combat by something, right? Yeah, falling below half health. Yeah, so I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's more likely that we'll see it sort of like the Deoxys uh, forms where we see them in permanent forms because the stats and such are so incredibly different. Yeah. I mean, and it is worth mentioning that Zen mode will be better than regular mode when yeah. or if we get it at any point. Yeah, exactly. So I don't really know. They constantly surprise us about how they decide to solve <laughs> these quote unquote problems. And then other times they come out with Hoopa and the form change and like, oh, it's completely fine. That's cool. Well, thank you, Mr. Kyle. We've learned more about Darmanitan. I always forget that Darmanitan is like pretty decent, you know, even without Zen mode, pretty decent. That's great. Mm -hmm. 
So next section this week is the Pokalore, of course, and we're going to be covering these brand new Pokemon, the Hisuian Voltorb and its evolution, which is still not yet available to us, Hisuian Electrode. And we're in regular Voltorb and Electrode, or I suppose Cantonian Voltorb and Electrode, are called the Ball Pokemon. These two are categorized as the Sphere Pokemon. So first up is Voltorb. Hisui and Voltorb, like their modern counterparts, resemble the Pokeballs of the time period, having the same wood grain pattern and a hole from which it discharges all of its stored electricity while lacking the latch. On the inside, they contain numerous seeds, but it has been impossible to examine their interior due to it being pitch black. Hisui and Voltorb has a distinctive red wooden eyebrow. Unlike Cantonian Voltorb, they have friendly and excitable temperaments, which leads them to cluster around people, causing them to be a nuisance when they discharge. <laughs> it is known to let out a great, uproarious laugh whenever it discharges. <laughs> Hisuian Voltorb can store electric currents in its belly. There are stories of people temporarily plugging the holes of Hisuian Voltorb before removing them from their settlements. Just like stick your finger in there, just like run out with it and just let it go. That's oh very funny. Uh, Hisuian Electrode in Hisui elect- also resembles the upside down Pokeballs of the time period with a wooded pattern on its top half. Its eyes are large black holes inside, inside a debossed pattern, sunken in instead of embossed, resembling an angry glare. Its lower half is dark red with a constant frown. Interestingly, its its surface tissue is similar to that of an apricorn. When enraged, his suey and electrode can unleash an electric current equivalent to about 20 lightning bolts. <laughs> it can also absorb and store chlorophyll energy along with electricity. His suey and electrode is the only known Pokemon capable of learning the move Chloroblast. Oh, my God. Which is a cool name for a move. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. Is. Have you seen it used yet? I have not. It's basically like a little solar beam. Okay. Okay. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. I'm excited to see this Pokemon in Go, but let's get through some stats here really quick. Max CP for Hisui and Electrode at level 40 will be 2149. At level 50, it'll be 2430. Base stats are 166 stamina, 176 defense, and 176 attack. Relatively balanced, but nothing too impressive. Best move set, we're not entirely sure yet because Hisuian Electrode is not currently available. I could give you a move set for Hisuian Voltorb, but why would I do that? <laughs> so uh, we'll just have to wait and revisit that, I suppose, at some point in time. I have a feeling that Hisuian Electrode will be topical in a PvP sense. I really am hoping that they give it move, like a move set that does that for it. So I, I think we'll be talking about it again for sure. Uh, Mr. Kyle, thoughts, feelings on these two? Uh, a couple of things. One, and this is kind of fun, Hisuian Electrode and Voltorb do not have the same stats as regular Electrode and Voltorb. They don't. Despite having the same stats in the main series game. And the reason for this is that in, I believe, Gen 7, they increased the base stats for Voltorb and Electrode. I think they gave them like 10 more speed or something like that. But that was after all of the formulas and everything had been run for Go, and they've not, they have not updated it since. Huh. So, Hisuian 
Electrode has 176 defense and 176 attack, as you mentioned. But regular Electrode has 173 attack and 173 defense. And also slightly less stamina, but still. The PvP spreads will be different for the two of them when you eventually are looking. And so further we'll stratified to. by the typing difference and yep. the move set that accompanies those typing yep. differences. Yep. So there actually is like a notable difference between the two as well, just because outside of just the typing. That's fascinating. And that's fascinating to know why that is the case. I would have never. Where did you learn that? Uh, people were. There was a warning post, warning, sort of, on the Silk Road subreddit saying oh. that they had different stats because people were. You know, catching Hisui and Voltorb with PvP in mind, obviously. Right. But they were using the spreads for regular, regular Electrode because electrode. that's what they figured would work. Oh, okay. So they were like, heads up for my fellow nerds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is a thing that happened. Like, oh, this will affect all of your calculations. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's wild. Huh. That said, I like Hisui and Voltorb like a lot. I love the design. Of the wooden Pokeball. I like the Pokeball in Legends a lot. I've been playing a lot of Legends in the last week. But I stand by the fact that Electrode is a massive, massive disappointment. And I don't I don't like assuming Electrode. Man, so not even just like you it just didn't work for you. You think it's a massive disappointment. Like it is it's really bad. Yeah, I, I would have rather seen Voltorb not evolve and electro does not exist in this universe huh. instead because i don't know like especially because it has the hole on the top versus i'm pretty sure electrode is literally upside down so yeah, the has, hole is on the bottom no i, th- I think it's it's holes are the eyes uh, well in which case that's even worse that's like that's so silly i don't know it's just, cool because then the steam comes out of the eyes <laughs> i i do not like it i okay. it's, it's a massive wasted opportunity personally all right, no, I'm I'm kind of the opposite sort of way. I think Voltorb in itself, just base Voltorb and right in this uh, in this Hisui and Voltorb, are both cool designs. The concept is neat and it works really well, even on even if on paper it sounds kind of dumb, right? But I was never a big fan of regular Cantonian Electrode either, and Hisui and Electrode to me is yes, not as good as the Voltorb version. But I like it better than I like Electrode comparatively to their Voltorbs. Uh, I I just like the I like the attitude. I like the character. I think it's just neat that the facial expressions are literally, literally constructs on the side of a sphere rather than anything else. I mean, with regular modern Cantonian Voltorb and Electrode, their eyes move and stuff like that. They're animated. They look like a cartoon. And in the Hisuian versions, they still have the eyes and expressions and stuff like that. But like the wooden eyebrows on Voltorb moving up and down, like that's cooler to me than just eyes on a ball that looks like a Pokeball, right? Yeah, but like on the same note, the mouth is just a sticker on on the red part. I think that's so funny. They they put the effort in for the eyes and then not for the mouth. It's just Eh, I wanted before Legends came out, I wanted to see voltorb turn into a tree like that's what it was set up for i feel with all the seed information and stuff and with the hole in the top i think they're just trying to like make a comparison between life and electricity yeah but i'm just i'm just saying like i think it made more sense than the other 
split evolution that we have in legends that I won't spoil for people who might care, but I'm I'm very surprised to hear such a such a heavily <laughs> negative take on uh, Hisui like and Electrode in particular, and not just Electrode in general. My heart breaks for our poor H Electrode. But I mean, anyway. I mean, right? Regular Electrode is just is just bland. Like, but I can forgive it because it was Gen One. They still were barely figuring out what they were doing. And it had like a neat story to it with it and Voltor being, you know, living Pokeballs. Mm-hmm. It was weird. But it still is weird. Yeah, it's still very <laughs> weird. And it's yes. especially weird that they chose to do it for the Hisui region. But, you know, I whoever thought of it, g- kudos to them because it <laughs> worked out really well for Voltorb. Apparently, Electrode, the jury is still out. So anyway, we'll leave it up to you, dear listener, to decide for yourself or to poll your friends and family, maybe your coworkers. Ask around, get some opinions. But that wraps up the Pokalore, which means that we're into the Pokepole. Last week's Pokepole was, do you think shinies should be considered content? For example, if a new shiny is the only draw to an event in Pokemon Go, is that enough to get you excited for it? First response is from Trent. They said, it all depends on the shiny, I suppose. I am normally in camp while shinies don't make or break an event, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't try my hardest to get a shiny costumed hoot hoot. <sighs> Trent, if that means you didn't get one, I'm so sorry. I yeah. was thinking of you the whole time. I knew that you were really going hard for it. Next one's from Clifton, and they said, it depends on two things. If it's a shiny I really want and how readily available encounters are. If the spawns are common or an easy research, I'm excited to look for it regardless of what it is. There doesn't need to be anything else special with the event in that case. If it's rare or raid slash egg locked, it has to be something special. Even then, it's likely not going to make the event fun without other features. I agree. That's a that's a good way to look at it, too. It's a very reasonable take. Next one's from Venus C Prime. They said, it depends on the shiny and how available it is outside of the event. I'm more likely to aggressively check for costume shinies, but I didn't bother checking for Snivy during its early release when it was obvious that it would get a community day later. I don't think most events can be carried by a shiny alone, unless either the shiny is really good or it's a relevant Pokemon regardless. But the absence of the shiny in a situation where there should be one, i.e. Genesect raids, can certainly discourage from engaging with that event. Oh, that raises an interesting point. Are are we entitled now? Like, do we like we have such a sense of entitlement that like when we see Genesect come out with a new drive and it's not shiny, we're like. This is a sin. <laughs> I so you know? here's it's an interesting one here. I I technically agree with you. We are entitled, like as a player base, but also like we are entitled to the shiny at the same time. Yeah, because Genesect is not worthwhile in other capacities, like as a bug type attacker, just because it's a legendary. But you're rating it because it has a drive, and they're expecting us to do 18 of these because there's 18 drives. 17 drives? I don't know if there's a normal drive, actually, now that I think about it. I think there's 17. Why would there be a normal drive? Uh, There's a normal plate for Arceus. I don't know. And it's not a legendary Pokemon? It's a mythical Pokemon? You know what? I don't care. The stats stats stand. And the point is, if Genesect was good just by itself for existing, people wouldn't be upset as much that the shiny was not there when we were doing a special raid for it. 
if a Mewtwo came out with a special costume of some kind that was not able to be shiny, I don't think people would be that upset about it. They'd be upset like, oh, where's the shiny? But they'd still be doing those rates, unlike Genesect. Okay, so I have just found out something while you were giving your your answer about Genesect that I did not know before. There are only four drives. Oh, okay. Well, then that's yeah. just that's just awful. I don't ever want to do Genesect again. Just There's don't bring shock, them back to raids. Burn, chill, and douse. And when it's okay. not holding a drive in the MSG, Technoblast is normal type. That's hilarious. But it is I think funny. I, I think I I feel like I knew that at some point. When they started putting Genesect into Go, and then I just didn't care enough to remember. Yeah, so so no drive, normal type, shock drive, electric, burn drive, fire, obviously, chill is ice and douse is water. So this kind of makes – it makes more sense as to why they haven't put the shinies out and seems less ridiculous as like if they did this approach with Arceus, we would be like, what are you doing? You can't I mean, do I still disagree. I think with only four, it makes it even worse because – they they could have just done it. There's not like it's even that special. We're already done then. We've only we've gotten two of the three, two of the four, right? Three of the four? Three we've of the four. Three. We've gotten douse, shock, and burn. They're really gonna make us get the last one, and then we're gonna get burn drive as shiny. We we already have enough legendaries to fill raids f- from now till the end of time. We don't need that kind of it's true. But, but what I'm saying is, though, if you look at this and it, let's just say it did have 17 drives and no drive was normal, right? That's a lot of runway and is therefore more frustrating. Yes. But I'm not saying it's not still frustrating. I say comparatively to the perspective I had before, it's a little less frustrating I and feel more like understandable. If, I feel like if that was actually a real scenario that we accidentally invented, they would just release the shiny after doing like seven drives and yeah. then we would be like, well, why didn't we get them yeah. at the start then? What was the point? Yeah, but, but then you look at this, the Deoxys coming back and we're getting three forms of it, the three remaining forms of it shiny all at once. Yeah, but it's now it's such a short window to get your shinies if you actually want it. I just don't know, man. Oh, jeez. We could talk about this for a long time. <laughs> I, I think, look, I think I'm going to, one last thing and then we're going to move on. We have one more answer for this. We got a little mm-hmm. sidetracked, but there's no benefit to Technoblast on Genesect in Go. And that's the biggest problem and why it should have been shiny because that makes it relevant in and of itself. If Technoblast was relevant, no shiny would have been fine. Yeah, I would agree. And that's that's kind of it. Yeah, that's a fair point. Moving on, though, the last response is from Angry Bunny Man. And they said, I agree with GoCast Kyle. Shinies are a multiplier. If the event is a zero... A shiny doesn't suddenly give you something. I'll still hunt it because I love shinies, but I'm going to be grumpy about it every check. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. 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 And yeah. So another thought that I saw at some point get brought up was somebody's favorite shiny is coming out every event. So while it, it might not seem like that shiny is compelling for you, it's compelling for somebody. Because okay. we have a couple of response here. It depends if the shiny is worth it or not. How do we determine the shiny is worth it kind of thing? I would also argue that the attractiveness of any particular shiny is also slightly predicated on what what a, a catching sequence is with that particular Pokemon. Yeah, that's that's fair, too. I agree. 
you know, because some people just have a really hard time catching Pokemon. <laughs> and some of these Pokemon are much more difficult to get. Like a shiny Zubat, I could see somebody whiffing a million times and be like, this is really stressful. I hate this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't want to click on Zubats at all because it's just annoying to catch. So, yeah, I yeah, can feel right. that. Right. So if that was the featured shiny for an event, although not exciting now, at one point it was. Shiny checking for those would be kind of, uh, you know, yeah. in comparison to like a Drifloon, which was very easy to catch. Or Whalmer back when that was a, a feature. Back in the day. Uh, yeah, that's right. But anyways, this week's poll is what has been your favorite event, either live or remote, of all time in Pokemon Go and what made it so special? One of my favorite moments and I'm not including the standout, most obvious ones like the first GoFest I got to attend because we've already talked about that here. Was right at the start of when we recorded this show, Squirtle Community Day, the first one. It was the first, it was the second Community Day I'd ever like fully played. And it was the release of the Squirtle with the sunglasses, which was great. And it was the first time I played at a park that I've now played at for numerous, numerous community days and events. Uh, it was me, Chris and my girlfriend at the time. And Squirtle is my girlfriend's favorite Pokemon. So she was really excited. It was the first time we'd really gone out to play go together at that time. So that one, that one still stands out for me. No, that's a good candidate. That was a wild, a wild time. It was cool, though, too, because since we're later on the time zones, we already had the pre-existing knowledge that the ones that were in tasks were shiny locked. And mm-hmm. so everybody in the park and there were a lot of people playing. We're all calling them out and stuff. It was it was pretty fun. For me, I think one of the standout days, if not the standout day for me, outside of GoFest, like Kyle said, and before the show even started, we did specify that Larvitar Community Day was was uh, off limits for us to answer because that was our first community day. We were downtown. It was incredible. And it was a very exciting community day. But one of the there was one summer that the three legendary beasts were in raids for raid days. And for Entei and for Suicune, I made uh, I took a map, like a picture of the map of downtown Chicago, and then found out where the gyms were and then made a route, <laughs> a map, like an actual route with like, you know, these are the streets we're taking. This is the order we're hitting these gyms and stuff like that. And not only did we actually do it, Suicune was a kind of a miss, but Entei was a hit. A lot of people were really excited about having structure and a plan to follow. It kind of took a lot of the thinking out of it. And we picked up like six different people over the course of that day that just joined our group because we had a plan. And it made me personally feel really good. Um, And everybody like I was proud of our group. We did a thing. It was really great. (laughs) I felt good leaving that event. So, yeah, there you go. Thank you very much for your answers, everybody. And if you would like to answer the question, dear listener, what has been your favorite event, either live or remote of all time in Pokemon Go and what made it so special? You can answer when we post the question on Twitter at GoCast Podcast. You can also leave us a voicemail with the answer to 262-586-7717. We also have a Discord channel if you're a patron of ours. More about Patreon at the end of the show. The entire channel just dedicated to it weekly. And we gather a lot of our answers from there. 
but you can also send us an email to mail at gocastpodcast.com. But we've got to do a little quick break, step away for a minute before getting into anything that has to do with E or mails, and pass it on over to Fish and DeFiE, who this week are going to be doing a deep dive into Guardian Cup, as well as several other topics of discussion. Over to the two of you. Hi, I'm Fish Onahita. And I'm DeFiE250. And this is PvP Corner, the PvP segment with a 20-minute runtime, but a six-hour recording time. DeFi, what is going on in PvP? You're not wrong. <laughs> so... Taking a look at Go Battle League, we have January 4th to February 7th is Ultra League and Ultra League Premier Classic. So that is coming to a close. And during that time, during Ultra League Premier Classic, I hit expert for the second time ever. That's amazing. So excited. I climbed all the way up to 2850 using a core, that same core I was talking about last week of Trevenant and Walrin, and then also having that Swampert. Got all the way up to 2850. So I'm only 150 points away from Legend, and I've never, ever hit Legend. But the game's been so laggy, and I've been so busy that I just haven't touched the game. So I've just been sitting at 2850 (laughs) for almost a week. (laughs) um i i feel you i I wish i i wish i had some advice for you but i mean you know what you're doing when you're ready you'll you'll pick it up again i could also go for it during the next cycle through here which is february 7th to february 21st which is master league master league premier classic and the love cup so we will be talking about the Love Cup soon with the pink and red Pokemon only being allowed. And in all three of those leagues, it's three times Stardust rewards. So really be sure you're getting your battles in. All right, let's check in with Sylph. We have our results from Invitationals. So just as a reminder, Sylph Arena for the month of January kind of took a month off. But in that off period, they held a special Invitational tournament, invite only, invited lots of really great battlers to compete in teams where each team member had a specific role they were to play, a specific meta to play in. And it was single elimination We talked about the last set last week, the final showdown, and it was between fast move denial as a skill and overcoming emotions. Those battles were casted at My PvP Academia. If you're not following, by the way, My PvP Academia on YouTube and on Twitch, pause the podcast, go give them a follow because they are a great group of people putting out some really good PvP content and they do a lot of work covering the Sylph Arena. So those battles were casted there and the winner was... Overcoming emotions, and they won 11 to 10. It was so close. It came down to that last battle. So overcoming emotions, that team was Inadequance, Alaflutter, Statistan, Sonorman, Sawyer98, KD46, Tangent, and Hot Pocket. Sylph have also come out with their Path to Regionals article, which just uh, confirms some, some of the stuff that's been happening every season, which is how to qualify for regionals, continentals, and eventually the world championships. So just like previous seasons, the monthly cups will run until June, then regionals in July. To earn an invite, there's three ways you can do it. The easiest, most common way is to be the best 
in your own community, the community that you do your regular tournaments in. You don't have to be right up the top of the leaderboard. The bigger the community, the more spots will be awarded an invite. They will also give invites to people above a certain cutoff on the global leaderboard. And they'll also give invites to people above a certain national rank. So the bigger your country is in terms of PvP participation, the more spots will be available. If you're part of a small country, then, you know, less competition. So again, like we mentioned, in August and September, you have our championship series. So the regional champions, people who've been winning the showdowns, and some other highly ranked global competitors will compete at the first kind of feet of the championship series, which is continentals. So they'll be grouped North America, South America, Europe, and Asian Pacific. And then in September, the arena will invite all those continental champions and a few other top battlers to the Sylph Arena World Championship. Are you ready to get into our deep dive? Am I? <laughs> this week, it is the Guardian Cup, the Sylph Arena Cup for February and it is a Great League Cup, show six, pick three, as are all Silverina Cups. Only Pokemon who can learn specific type moves are eligible. So this is something that they haven't done before, which we mentioned last week. It's not Pokemon typing, it is move typing. Anything that can learn electric, fighting, fire, flying, and psychic type moves are allowed, with a few exceptions. What are the exceptions, Nephi? Let me tell you, there are more than a few exceptions. The ban list is quite extensive. As a group, they banned all fairy-type Pokemon, all legendaries, all mythicals, all megas, and all shadows are banned. And the species banned in the Guardian Cup are... Lickitung, Metacham, Scrafty, Altaria, Pachirisu, Wobbuffet, Unovan, Stunfisk, Umbreon, Mandibuzz, Volibee, Colfagrigus, Obstagoon, Hypnochansey, Bastiondon, Diggersby, Tropius, and Lantern. I could have done that so much quicker. I really doubt it. I think so. All right. Well, we'll, we'll try it after the recording. <laughs> You're on. I'll get my stopwatch ready. Um, hidden power is not a valid move type for consideration. There are a few Pokemon that learn hidden power, and obviously hidden power can be every type, almost every type. DeFi, the dev notes were released at the same time as the month started, and they talked about how the Guardian Cup was meant to symbolize superheroes. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because I looked at the badge and I had no idea what the badge was meant to represent this time. Um, with the little pink ball and like the purple, gold and green. Mm. I, I didn't know. So it was really interesting to me to see that this the Guardian Cup theme is superheroes and that the allowed move types represent superpowers like fighting for super strength or psychic for telepathic ability, those kind of things, fire, electric, flying. So that is kind of the theme for the meta. So I thought that was really neat. And they go kind of into their logic between uh, the different bands, why they banned fairies and shadows, uh, because there's not a whole lot of bulk in the meta. So... They wanted to avoid quick, fast move beatdowns and some of the other specific bands because they were trying to avoid as much rock, paper, scissors, um, hard countering as possible. If you're interested in reading these, be sure to check out sylph.gg. There's a link to the development notes on the page. I highly recommend checking them out. It gives a lot of really cool information. So heading to the meta, the top 10 on PvPoke are Machamp, 
Mantine, Steelix, Ninetales, Alomomola, Rainy Castform, Gorgeist, the all four sizes, but specifically in the order of large, super, average, and small, Dragonite, Vigoroth, and Skarmory. There is nothing above a 93.1 overall rank out of 100, which that usually means it's a very balanced meta. Normally, if you've got something that's, you know, way too overpowered in the meta, they'll have a fairly high score out of 100. They'll, they'll be like 99 or something, which has happened. But yeah, 93.1 is a very low score for a top mon. Taking a look at this PV Poke Top 10, I see a lot of flyers and I see a lot of water types. Like Mantine's really good in this meta, Alomomola, Dragonite, Skarmory, Rainy Cast Form. So that means electric types might get a good amount of play. But there's a problem with using electric types in this meta. They are so squishy. <laughs> the electric types eligible Pokemon like Electivire and Luxray and Galvantula just have very little bulk to them. So do a lot of damage could really cause a Pokemon like Mantine some trouble, but just so squishy. A uh, really big core that I noticed really quickly, and I have seen that plenty of others have noticed, is that Dragonite and Steelix work really, really well together. It beats almost everything in the meta. The only things that can beat both of those Pokemon are Empoleon, Manectric, Primeape, Gligar, Charizard, Hippodon, Poliwrath, Hitmonchan, Bisharp, and Steelix beats the Dragonite and obviously ties with the opposing Steelix, so we, we can call that a counter as well. But that's a very small list. So obviously, if you want to run that core of Dragonite and Steelix, you might also want to make sure you can handle that core on the opponent's team. Empoleon is the best thing to handle that Dragonite Steelix core, but there's a big problem, which is if you're running Steelix and Empoleon on the same team, suddenly you become pretty weak to counter users. So you might need to, if you can do it, but you need to make sure that your third Pokemon can absolutely handle counter users and also that you can match it up against the counter user so that it doesn't take out the rest of your team while the, <laughs> while your counter's in the back there just waiting to be subbed off of the bench. So a lot of fighters are in this meta and they have access to Ice Punch. So that's going to really threaten that core that has Dragonite in it. Surfetched has access to both Leaf Blade and Night Slash and has some water and ghost coverage. I really like Surfetched for this meta. I think it could be really interesting. Yeah, I have also been looking at Gorgeist as well, because I think it's it's got to be the best fighting counter available, especially against a Vigoroth, which uh, has the Bulldoze as a coverage move, but Gorgeist resists the Bulldoze, so it's Vigoroth really has nothing against it. Um, it's Gorgeist is really good. It's basically, it's exactly the same as Trevenant with its typing and its moveset. The only difference is it's got Hex as its fast move instead of Shadow Claw. If you want to beat Gorgeist, as well as a lot of other key Pokemon in this meta, like Steelix, one common core might be Steelix and Gorgeist, Kanto Ninetales is a great pick. It is super spammy and has access to quite a few really nice secondary charge moves. Another Pokemon, the Goat, the greatest of all time, Alolan Marowak, can be quite good. Consider running Hex instead of 
fire spin because you're going to be running into a lot of water type Pokemon. You've got Alomomola, you've got Mantine. So that gives you that little bit of extra coverage. I was thinking that Hex will enable you to get to Fire Blast if you want to run that, which will um, help you to KO a Steelix. I think that helps you flip that matchup. I like the choice of water types in this meta. The highest ranked one is Mantine, which will do very, very well against your fighters, but can have a hard time beating Steelix. It is, It does beat Steelix, but it's not a hard win. I really like Alomomola because that thickness, I think, really comes in handy in what is not a particularly bulky cup. And the waterfall is great neutral damage against a lot of things. Like, it has wind conditions against a lot of the electrics. If the electric type has lost a bit of its HP, then usually Alomomola can grind it down with waterfalls and one shield. Rainy Cast Form is also another option. And the big benefit of that one is that it has Thunder to hit and beat the other water types, but it does get walled by grass types such as Gorgeist. So you've got to look out for that. So we hope that this prepares you for the Guardian Cup. If you want to participate in the GoCast podcast Guardian Cup, if you're a patron to the Discord, we will start that tournament on Monday the 14th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm really excited to dive in and kind of start building teams and working through this meta. Next up, we have our mailbag. And our first question comes from Wang J. Chen. Who said? Well, it's not really a question, is it? It's uh, he says this is in response to Fish saying that Shadow Wisma has no play. I'm including a picture of my rank one Ultra League Exploud named Bose, which is an amazing name. Ten out of ten. Yeah, absolutely well fantastic. You win. you win naming. It is almost fully powered up. I used it when Ultra League started, and I have to say, it is very, very, very okay. Do I regret powering it up? When it gets its special move, I will be able to say no. But for now, the dust could have been better spent on building Master League Pokemon. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the effort you put into a Pokemon that you like. I respect it. I'm sorry to hear that you are kind of regretting it. Just as a quick point, so in the main series, Explod also gets access to Synchronoise, which would be an interesting move for it because it would counter fighters. Uproar is another move that is definitely associated with the Wismer line. It could happen. Every Pokemon is one move update away from being relevant. Yeah. 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 Yes. And yeah. So continuing on, we have something from Megablade, who writes in a question for Fish and Define, which I kind of like that as a nickname. (laughs) I don't know if it's, like, define because I'm, like, book smart or if it's, like, she fine, like, define. So from Megablade, looking at the 6,500 CP max and typing for Mega Mewtwo, both forms, looks great in PvP. And I know you can only use Megas in 1v1, but still, any chance you could figure out how good or OP it would be? Without even looking at the numbers, I think it would be basically unbeatable. But Fish, I mm-hmm. believe you've dived in. What have you learned? I've, I've done a little bit. Um, I actually thought PvPoke had uh, optionality 
for megas, but I couldn't really see it. So I had to just dig a little bit into like some of the the base stats and whatnot and see if I could work out anything in particular. So obviously if, for example, megas were allowed in Master League, the meta would centralize around those megas. Like you wouldn't see your Dialgas and Zacians anymore because, you know, the megas are so much more powerful than everything else that they would just overcome. Like typing probably wouldn't matter anymore. It would just be, is it a mega? It wins. Specifically, Mega Mewtwo has total base stats of 780. To put that into perspective, that is 15% higher than Dialga, and it is the equal second highest base stat total in the entire Pokemon universe. The only thing higher is Eternamax, which is... I've, someone had to explain it to me. It was like a, a Dynamax of a Dynamax Eternatus or, or something like that. Out of the two of them, probably Mega Mewtwo X would be the better one because it's got better physical attack and defense stats than Mewtwo Y, which prioritizes its special attack and defense. And from memory, I believe that when Pokemon are put into Pokemon Go, the physical stats get a little bit higher priority in determining how good the Pokemon is. It's also got the psychic and fighting typing, which, DeFi, what's another psychic fighting type that we all love using in PvP? Oh, it's got to be Metacham, got to be my <laughs> Medi. Jasmine is mine. She's the rank mm-hmm. three best buddy. Shiny. Yeah. Uh, the psychic fighting typing is very good. They work very nicely in sync. It would also get same type attack bonus from Focus Blast as well. So not only is this just unfathomably more powerful than the regular Mewtwo, but it's also getting an extra 20% boost again with that Focus Blast because it is the same typing. So Mega Mewtwo X would control the meta like a tyrant. So thankfully it is not allowed, right? Fish, you got a jingle for us this week? <laughs> shameless plugs, it's a shameless plugs. Shameless plu- shamelessly plugging our plugs. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. 10 Anytime. out of 10. All right. So I was just going to briefly mention I failed my Nuzlocke. I was so bummed out about it. After so much work, uh, I got all the way to Cynthia, the last battle, and she just completely wrecked me. Just uh, her Garchomp is a bully. So I failed that. I technically have more Pokemon in the PC. I could retrain them all up to like level 70 and try it again, but I'm going to focus right now on Legends Arceus. I've been playing that quite a bit and really enjoying it. Something I can mention as well, this week you and I, the dynamic duo, are going to be on Friday Night Fights over at Team Rocket PvP, so be sure to go check that out. Uh, You can probably check the YouTube channel for the recording of it. It'll be good. And we also wanted to just shout out the Wayspotters podcast. I was listening. They are a new podcast based on the Wayfarer system. I was listening to their feature on the Lured Up podcast, another fantastic Pokemon Go podcast, and Jamal and... Lachlan were talking about how they wanted to be the PvP corner of Lured Up and just have like a segment on the show. And I listened to that and kind of smiled. So I thought that was interesting. But Ken came back and said, nah, 
You can do a whole podcast, 45 to 60 minutes a week. Let's go. So please go give them a follow. Check them out. And they might have a PvP episode at some point in the future. And they might, you know, invite some PvP experts onto their show. You never know. Might be worth giving them a follow. Wink. Um, I have the Palatown PvP Discord server, as always. It is a free Discord server for anyone who wants to get more involved in PvP, uh, learn from each other, participate in, in great entertainment around PvP. Like, for example, we do have the ring that comes up at the end of every month. And uh, I've been pretty slack with organizing the ring in a timely fashion, but this time I have sorted it out way ahead of time it will be happening on tuesday the 22nd of february u.s time and i've locked in my guest shoutcaster DeFi, just for fun i would like to play 20 questions <laughs> to try and work out this guest and i'll cut out all the questions and cut straight to the part where you succeed or fail all right is it katie 46 it is Katie 46. Cool. Yeah, you got it. I did that it. I took 11 questions. That was so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> that um, was so the yeah, like, Okay. <laughs> if, like, if, if you'd mentioned anything about the Silph Arena, that would have pointed you in the right direction because uh, Katie 46 is a volunteer who works for the Silph Arena. She's very busy running factions and the monthly Silph Cups, but she's mentioned that she is interested in learning shoutcasting and the plan is to get her into something a little small first to kind of get her feet wet like the ring and then to get her involved in one of our Gym Breakers streams at the end of the month as well. So excited to be working with her. For sure. Go be sure to give her a follow on Twitch. So it is Katie46, K-A-T-Y-4-6. And to close out, we love hearing your feedback. If you have any questions, suggestions for content or any, or just want to say hi, you can go to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com or in the show description, you can click on more fish or more DeFi that'll take you to those ways to contact us or links to other projects that we are working on. And we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much, Fish and DeFi E, for yet another wonderful, perfect, splendiferous, outstanding PvP Corner segment. And now on to a lesser product, the rest of our part of the show. <laughs> Kyle, I, I always get lost coming out of the days that is PvP Corner because I just love listening to it so much. Where are we again? It's time for emails. Ah, that's right. And I think we have zero voicemails. First one's from Lord Cheese. And they said, hi, Chris, Kyle, Fish, and DeFi. Lord Cheese 14 here. I guess you could say I'm a newer listener. I've been listening to the show since around episode 157, but I haven't sent an email until now. I find the show very entertaining and helpful despite being level 27. I've only recently caught Hoopa and Meloetta. I only have six shinies and I have zero legendaries. Sad face. The reason for this is I'm not able to get out much and I can only play for a limited amount of time. However, when I'm not playing and sometimes while I'm playing, I'll listen to the show. Also, I really wish everybody still played Pokemon Go like they did a few years ago. Do you feel the same? I definitely do wish that I had been in a 
populated city at the time when the game had launched and oh, actually yeah. playing. That's for, for sure. For sure. I still, um, I still regularly kick myself for the fact that I was going to school downtown Chicago when Pokemon Go came out. I had graduated college and I thank my stars every single day that I was done with school when this game came out. Otherwise, <laughs> I would have not graduated college. <laughs> it's very tempting. I since then went back to my old college, uh, you know, my alma mater to, to the campus because it's kind of in the middle of a populated area and sort of like a public campus because it was also like an arboretum. Uh, and uh, it was filled with stops. And I was like, Thank goodness I got my degree and now I can focus on just Pokemon Go. <laughs> but we're getting kind of away from part of this, too. I do want to say, hey, man, Lord Cheese, good job getting to level 27 and you cut your hoop and your Meloetta. That takes some work. It really, really does. And don't worry, the legendaries will, will be on their way soon. Get to a high rank in GBL if you can't catch a raid or get somebody to invite you to a raid if you can. Like, I don't know. It'll happen. Don't worry. Don't worry. They'll show up. But more to the question in particular, do we feel the same people still play Pogo outside of the whole college thing? I think when Pokemon Go first came out, it was really special because it was the original 151 and that cast the largest net for the sort of demographic that benefits the greatest from this game, which is people in our age group because we grew up with the IP, right? So I'm 30. I grew up on this stuff like completely. It's in my blood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so at this point in time the game came out i had some disposable income i literally had just graduated college and i was looking to get out and spend some time because i wasn't in like you know my job job yet stuff like that you know and this was perfect for that do i wish people were selecting the same absolutely i feel like the joke has been said a million times but when pokemon go first came out that was the closest we ever got to world peace <laughs> But I don't think that if people played like they did then now, that those people would still enjoy the game, which is why they're not playing it, because it is a lot of Pokemon. There's a lot more nuance. It was very, very simple and rudimentary when the first game came out you know, or when the game first came out. No trading. You know, the gym system was very straightforward. Catching was straightforward as well. You saw a Pidgey and a Weedle, and that's all you saw. I think it's too overwhelming for the normies out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. And I think I, I miss the cultural aspect of what it was like when Go first came out. But I think Go has found a very good market for itself regardless. It just requires the average player to do a little bit of looking to be able to find other people to play with, mm -hmm. but they are out there. You know, a good way to find other people that play Pokemon go is to make a podcast about Pokemon go. <laughs> let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> you'll meet a, you'll meet a lot. You meet a lot of people. Yep. So uh, there you go. If you, if you need someone to play with, that's our, that's our official suggestion to you. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for the email, Lord Cheese. This next one is from Megablade. Hey, this is Megablade. Finally emailing instead of voicemailing. Well, long time no here. So thank you, Megablade. Two things I'd like to share. First, my favorite Pogo moment. I was talking to my dad if he got anything good for our account on a Kyogre raid hour. And he said he got us a shiny Kyogre. And then obviously asked to check appraisal. And then at the check, the Shundo Kyogre appeared. Ooh, wow. that's a good oh, one. Oh, man. 
I also got two shiny Mewtwo's in the last Go Fest, and with that being my favorite Pokemon, I am very happy. I recently realized that there is no Kalos Pokedex in Go. Since I'm not a veteran, I don't know why this is. They even have Galar Pokemon. So why is this? By the way, the postcard book has the attached, if attached, sticker on a saved postcard. And to make conversation, what is your favorite Pokemon game ever? Oh, that's such a topical question. Uh, <laughs> and the the attached postcard is really cool. It's like a Mewtwo with like really, really cool looking art. Uh, very sorry for the long email. I like to put everything in one. No, it was not long at all. Love the pod. Shiny vibes. All Mewtwo hunters. Oh, and everyone else too. Mega Blade. All right, so to quickly answer the question about the Pokedex is that they brought the variants for existing Pokemon from Alola in and Galar in, and we have not gotten to the proper generations in between as of yet, but it is kind of confusing. So there's your answer. But congratulations on your Shundo Kyogre. We both are very, very jealous. And your Mewtwo's. Nice work. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kyle, the question at hand then, what is your favorite Pokemon game ever? So the jury's still out on this one right now because Chris and I are going to talk about this more in the future. Spoilers. But Legends Arceus is very, very good. And I haven't dug deep enough into how I feel yet about whether it's my favorite, but it might be. But until I've decided on that one, Emerald is still my favorite Pokemon game. Still a strong answer, even if Pokemon Legends Arceus does not end up taking that number one spot. I am in a very, very similar situation wherein I've been talking with Kyle about we literally both checked our time in game together and it is a single player game. We can't play together. We have uh, <laughs> the same play time with an under over margin of like 40 minutes. <laughs> it's it's eerie. It's very eerie. But I was messaging him yesterday and being like, I think this game is my new favorite Pokemon game of all time. But I'm not entirely sure yet. And I still kind of want to let it sit because who knows if it's just the newness. But the game is undeniably fantastic. But I will, for the same reasons that Kyle is saying Emerald version, I will then proffer my answer of Crystal version. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, thank you so very, very much for your email, Megablade. We appreciate it. And it's nice to hear from you again. And thank you as well, Lord Cheese. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you, dear listener, would like to send in an email just like these two fine folks did, you can by sending it to mail at gocastpodcast.com. You can also visit our website at gocastpodcast.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail instead, you can do so by calling 262-586-7717. And if you've heard it in the past, we will play your voicemail on the show and, you know, talk about it, react to it. Uh, in real time and treat it like an email. It's a really good time for sure. You can also follow us on Twitter at GoCastPodcast. Not our only, but our only active social media feed. You can also support the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month via Patreon. You can get access to our patron Discord, which is the best place ever. It's my favorite Discord server of all time. And let me tell you, I am a part of too many. So that is saying quite a bit. <laughs> But you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash gocast podcast to find out more information about that and all that good stuff. But shout out to our elite trainer tier patrons while we're on the topic. Thank you so much. Cyprian, Bo, Daniel, Zek Walker, Andrew, Robert, Lori, Michael, Ozzy, Ted, Tish, Ben, Marvin, and Mimi Sports there, Jason, Charles, Modders, and Devante. Thank you very much for your uh, generous support of the show and for helping us keep the digital lights on. 
But if monetary support is not in the cards for you or not interested, you just don't want to do it, whatever the case might be, you can, of course, still help the show out for free by leaving us a review on platforms that accept reviews, which now includes Spotify. I just checked recently. We've had even more Spotify reviews since the last time we talked about it. So thank you, everybody that is doing that. I really cannot tell you from the back end statistically and all that stuff how much that helps us a lot. We don't promote our show. We don't advertise our show like at all. So those reviews do wonders for us. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Okay, Kyle. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that time of the week. Yep. Let's set some goals, my man. Let's set some lofty, unobtainable goals. What's happening this weekend? Anything? I don't think so, actually. We don't, we don't got a whole lot going on. It's not until next week for Community Day, Hobbit Community Day. Yeah. And then after that, we're looking forward to Johto tour. Yeah. Got a got a busy two weeks after this slight lull here. So all we got right now is the lunar event for the next four days. Is a slight lull like still like a laugh out loud, just like kind of like a giggle to yourself? Yeah. It's like a <laughs> it's not quite. It's almost out loud. It's not a boisterous. It's like a <laughs> anyways all right kyle what are you doing this week um a million experience wow i've got two best friends that are gonna hopefully coordinate tomorrow so we'll see okay although one of them is in the uk so that may be slightly difficult i'll just use two lucky eggs it's fine Two hundred thousand stardust 40 eggs oh my okay i've already hatched nine eggs this week does that count <laughs> yes sir that counts all right then 45 eggs instead okay what go battle league league is up right now <laughs> i believe it's is it ultra right now or is it master <laughs> i i don't know i'm hatching eggs right now <laughs> it's gotta be i'm pretty sure it's master better be ultra league okay i'm i'm not going to do Go Battle League. It's not happening right now. Okay, then don't do it. So I, I think that's going to be... Oh, I have to finish the the Lunar New Year stuff. I have not done it yet. So finish the Lunar New Year research. Have you finished the Hisui and Voltorb stuff too? No, I have not. I have not done the Hisui and Voltorb either. So so lazy about the berries. You can do it, man. You're just going to finish yeah. all those then? Yeah, I'll finish all of those. Okay, so for you, I've got 1 million experience, 200,000 Stardust, 45 eggs, the Lunar New Year research which is just the catch challenge and then the hisui and voltorb research as well all right for myself i'm also going to do one million experience i'm just a handful of days away from i think five best friends 50 eggs two lucky trades because that's what i'm focusing on now and i need to take advantage of the increased rates while they're here let's see if i can't harass my sister to trade with me this weekend and then i want to finish the month-long catch challenge the big one the 600 one and all that stuff wrap all of that good stuff up and just be done because it should be pretty easy popping incense over the weekend and catch for a few hours and just be done with it kyle i did forget to brag a little bit at the top of the show so i'm gonna Uh tuck it in right here at the end where nobody's gonna hear it but I've I've gotten so many shinies since the last time you recorded. <laughs> I know at least some of them. A Rhyhorn, a Voltorb, a Bidoof. My sister traded me for something else. Wow. The shiny Litleo that I mentioned and the one I also harassed you about, but I'm very mm-hmm. happy about a shiny Trubbish, baby. Ugh. 
All right. I just had to get it on record. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Wait, Kyle, do you have anything you want to share? Anything no, you want to brag I'm, about? I, yes. Yes. I hatched a shiny this week that I was telling Chris about before we recorded. It was my fifth shiny Alola Meowth. I'm tired of them. Woo! Please, God. Woo-hoo! What do you get at five? Do you get two weeks of vacation or? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All righty. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week for episode 178. And for those of you that did listen to the end, to uh, kind of get at what Kyle was teasing before, we are planning on doing a spoiler cast and a spoiler-free cast, either together or separately, about Legends Arceus. So if you're interested in that, it'll hit the feed sometime soon-ish. But uh, yeah, until then, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.